0: Hi, I'm Anne McElhenney.
1: And I'm Philem McElheer.
0: And welcome to the Anne and Philam Scoop. How are you, Philem? Yeah, tired, on. Huh? Tired.
1: Tired. Well, tired. I am yeah. in, where am I? Serbia. Yeah. Belgrade. Yes. Let's Ukraine.
0: Just nine um, hours. That's just nine hours ahead of us here, right?
1: Yes, just nine hours ahead of you. And uh, it's been a long day. We were, uh, we were out. What was the word? For, we were out basically. So we've found the venues now. And now we have to work out where the lights are going to go how the place is going to be I think redesigned. they're not called
0: venues film I think they're called locations just in the lingo you know in the movie lingo you want to come over here and do it I am coming over there film I'll be there I will be there in a couple of days I'm going to be there now that okay. my arm is doing so much better and thank you to everybody by the way who wrote the really nice messages I need to start this show film it is week 83 that is one year and seven and three quarter months since the two weeks to flatten the curve lockdown. And it's four and three quarter months since it was revealed that Hunter Biden used the N word and the mainstream media has still failed to report that. And I wanted to remind people, by the way, of the context mm-hmm. of Hunter Biden using the N word. So yeah. he was writing to his white lawyer and he called him an N N-a, if everyone understands what that is, multiple times. And the he used phrases like... Go on, Phil. No, the N-words, only it ends with an A, but the N-word. Yeah. Correct. And he used a phrase like, true dat, N-a. N. N-a. And bantered, I only love you because you're black, he said to his lawyer who's white. Hunter Biden used the N-words multiple times with this lawyer, and he flippantly addressed this guy, George Messeris who is white with the racial slur and with phrases. Yeah, true that. Exactly. So in December 29, 2018, he said, how much money do I owe you? He said to the lawyer, how much money do I owe you? Because because and you better not be charging me Hennessy rates and on and on and on. So just to remember, like this was a huge and I think it was important to just mention the context of that. So he did that over and over and over again. And the media have not reported on that. The mainstream media have not reported on that. The Daily Mail did, um, Fox News did, but basically nobody else reported on it. And as we have said many, many times, that lovely young girl who was going to university and a a video emerged of her using that word once in a video when she was a child, and they took away her university um, prospects. So talking of Hunter, Phelim, as he just mentioned, is in Serbia.
1: So, yes, I'm in Serbia. Feeling very tired these days, but uh, not as tired as some people. It's all coming together. It's all falling apart. It's all coming together. It's all falling apart. Only one less than a week now till we start filming. That'll be interesting, and then you're coming out, which will be great. It will all come together then. I it sure. That's right. That's
0: uh, right. That's what right. else is on the show? What else? So what is else? On well, Crazy California, where everything is totally upside down um criminals are free to steal and again to remind people who are not from here you can walk into a shop in california and you can steal 999 dollars worth of things and walk out and the security guard won't stop you because you cannot be prosecuted and you can do it every day of the week and you can do it in multiple shops so yeah. but that's happening and while that's happening an actual saint an actual saint is um Is getting the chop. And uh, talking of crazy California. Crazy
1: California. Yep. I am am going to save. I want to tell the single ladies of Los Angeles. I'm going to save you precious moments in your dating life. And, uh, you know, when I make that promise, I mean it.
0: Okay. And imagine a world without men. Well, one TV channel did and audiences hated it. And in our continuing series on how not to be a journalist, we get a masterclass this last couple of weeks. And this, this last few days, we got an absolute masterclass from Katie Couric and David Brooks. We're going to bring you that. And we're also going to talk about what to watch and what not to watch on streaming. Um, and we are going to make an autumnal cocktail because it oh, is autumn after all. And now my arm is working a little bit better. So Magda and I will be out making an autumnal co- cocktail. And we're also going to bring another story just at the end of the show. I want to bring a story just that came in the papers in the last couple of days when being white and doing good gets you fired. Um, yes, that's the show. But we're going to start by have, finding out what's going on in Serbia. Film, well, talk, talk to us about Serbia.
1: Well, before I talk about Serbia, I suppose I want people to know that we are making the movie. We're making the My Son Hunter Biden movie. And. Um, It's been funded by crowdfunding. Thank you, everyone. Look, we're starting filming on Monday and we've been spending a lot of money up till now. So we have the camera department, the lighting, the grip, the makeup and hair, costume, the second AD, and the second, second AD.
0: Yeah. And you
1: see that picture there. And that funny, that shows you that picture shows you the people, but there's actually other people sitting at the back of the room as well. Uh, And then there's a couple of assistants. It's amazing. Like we literally have people discussing the color of Hunter Biden's hair. The kind of car he would drive the kind of apartment he would live in you know the costumes of his girlfriend's costume in the lighting of a strip bar the lighting of an apartment the lighting of you know a meeting with chinese businessmen and uh, you know and then we had yesterday we had uh, chinese business chinese people come in for auditions we had people coming in to be ukrainian thugs uh, what a collection i mean it was it was one and uh, you know and some of them were actors and some of them weren't. But every one of them came in and crapped themselves when they saw Robert Davi.
0: <laughs> great. In a, he's good way. in a good way.
1: Yes, he, he's massive in China and he's big here. And I think they just thought, oh, I'm going to this movie, right? And they walk in and there's Robert Dabby feeding them their lines. And they they nearly fainted. Literally, their sweat was pouring off them. Oh, that's but, great. you know, it's, it's nonstop. It's seven days a week. And these people are all very professional. They're all getting paid really well, uh, and as they should be. And so this is why we need your help to make sure the movie can be made, the movie can be finished. Uh, we're a little bit behind. We're... we're yeah. yeah, I think it's fair to
0: say that we're not where we'd wa- we're we not where we'd like to be at this point. Obviously, you know, with COVID and all kinds of things, and then I hurt my arm. So a lot of things, you know, kind of conspired um, to, to put us back a little bit from where we should be. Um, and that's why we're appealing to people, making a big appeal to please send what you can to make this movie a reality. Nobody else is doing this. Nobody else is doing the work that we're doing. Um, and it's important. And, um, you know, it's very easy for you to give. You've got to go to mysonhunter.com and give what you can and give more than you can and give till it hurts because uh, this is a terrible thing that happened it's like almost the first time in history really that something of this nature happened in america where yeah. a story of this magnitude was suppressed from the second oldest newspaper in america the new york post who did sterling work in exposing this laptop from hell as as is, as is described um, by our friend in new york post um miranda Devine, whose book by the way is coming out um in the next in the next couple of weeks um you know so the new york post did this amazing work amazing investigation and The rest of the journalistic world in America decided to suppress that story for political reasons, not for any journalistic reasons. And they did even worse than that. People did worse than that. They called it uh, Russia disinformation, knowingly, knowing it wasn't Russia disinformation. It's scary and it's chilling. You know, you like to think that that journalists will tell you what's going on in the world. Mm. um, And this is what they didn't do. So please help us do the job that they didn't do. Get this story out. This story was
1: suppressed. This story was censored. But the censorship does start now with us. This is going to be out. This is going to be so funny. Uh, we've got some good news, actually, in the last couple of days. Two big casting uh, announcements. No, not announcements. Two big casting decisions. Yes. Uh, and we'll be announcing them in the next few days. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have one casting disappointment, let's say, but that's, that's behind us now. And, uh but we've got two big casting announcements that we're going to be announcing in the next while. So, you know, these are all very professional people uh, and wonderful people, and they all get paid and they all deserve it. And they
0: deserve to get paid. And these are really long days. People are working really hard. As film says, it's like, this is a seven day week thing and people are just really hitting the ground running. And it's, it's very impressive. And it reminds me a lot of when I was on the set of of Gosnell. You know, these are incredibly professional people who do an amazing job. A lot of you've seen the Gosnell movie and I know a lot of you appreciated it. And it was a, a slightly bigger um, budget than we're dealing with now so this is a tight situation and we really would expect yeah we Look, really, robert Daly, really appreciate your help
1: i'm sure robert wouldn't let say robert's 70 robert robert has has a young family too right and he was on a, a last sunday he was sitting interviewing russian thugs and chinese businessmen <laughs> and doing <laughs> auditions with them. and i'm thinking you know we're so lucky to have someone an art, artist of that caliber yes. doing this i mean these guys are getting directing and acting lessons that they could never afford you know and it's so please give what you can go to mysonhunter.com let's get this film made let's make it really successful and let's get the truth out there so what else is going on in the world
0: Well, crazy California, I mean, you know, I think increasingly, and I, I, we really appreciate everyone writing and saying, you know, telling us where Phil and I should move. And I saw somebody wrote there on YouTube, um, and they said we should go to Chattanooga, Tennessee. I even love the sound of that, by the way, Chattanooga. I love the sound of that. So, yeah, we're getting lots of suggestions. People are saying we shouldn't go to Austin, but, you know, there's back and forth. And obviously, we have a lot of friends in the Austin area, so that makes Austin kind of appealing to us. But who knows where we're going to go or if we're going to go at all? Um, you know, it takes it, it, it takes a lot to, to move people, you know.
1: I don't think we can go to Virginia. Virginia in anyway, Loudon County where you know where the you know like a lot of places and like California they're emptying the jails cuz that's the decent thing to do and there's a Virginia prosecutor from Loudon County and uh Buta Babaraj and she's been emptying the jails except for Mr. Smith who um was getting anxious and upset about transgender bathrooms in Loudon County schools and he was arrested by the police what before he gave a speech and she wanted to put him in jail even though she knew that his daughter had been raped by a transgender student uh, using yes. the cover of transgenderism to rape his daughter. She knew that, and she knew those extenuating circumstances, and she still pushed to have him sentenced to jail. That is, so the jails have been emptied. Let me tell you, the jails have been emptied so that people like you and me and the January 6 rioters, who, people who wandered around Congress and did no harm, not that some people did do harm but lots of people wandered around put their feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk January 6 people this father and people like you and me that's why they're emptying the jail, so they can fill them up with their political enemies
0: and just to so, just to give just to give people and I think a lot of people probably know this story about Scott Smith the 48 year old plumber who ended yeah. up in prison i mean what's really disturbing here is that his daughter was sodomized apparently in the school by a boy wearing a dress That boy then was sort of secretly moved from that school to another school into another school where he did exactly the same. And the person that's in prison is the father of the first girl. I know a lot of people are feeling like this. The world has gone completely mad. Something terrible has happened. You know, here in California, you can walk into a shop and and you can steal, you know, $999 worth of stuff. And at the same time that that's happening. And by the way, there's homeless people here. They're building structures all over the place and no problem to doing that. And they are defecating. And it's it's really lawless here now and a lot of criminal activity. People are constantly writing, saying that their stuff has been stolen. Their house has been broken into. It's scary out there. However, one thing that has been prioritized in Los Angeles and actually across all of California is the removal of St. Junipero Serra's monuments and statues. They have prioritized that. So here in the city of Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles, where there is a park called after called after the saint and there is a statue of the saint, they're being removed because because indigenous people are saying that at the time that he was proselytizing and evangelizing here as a Catholic saint, bad things happened in the missions. Not that he did them. No, but they were happening around the same time. Actually, the truth was they were happening about 100 100 years after he died. But never mind that. Never mind that. The the missions, somehow it gets all, you know, because of the fact that he evangelized, because obviously telling people about Jesus Christ and love one another and the golden rule is such an awful thing to do. So they are wiping him from history, dragging him through the mud. And this is a saint. And by the way, just to mention, before I move on from Junipero Serra, just to move on, just, just before that, to understand that he is the man, he is the Franciscan who came to California, who um, established all the missions, all of the missions across the coast. I think eight missions in total, including San Francisco, Santa Barbara, etc. all of them across the coast, um, who became a saint. The first, I think I'm right, and you can write and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he's the first Hispanic st- saint, and he was canonized by the first Hispanic pope. And I think a lot of our listeners and viewers know that Pope Francis is quite progressive. So Uh Pope Francis, who is a, you know, a wise man who reads everything, you know, would have done a lot of study. And of course, the Catholic Church's process for becoming a saint is quite rigorous. After all that process, they chose to make a saint of this man. And a few short years after that, Um, canonization after he became a saint he is now being disgraced and sullied and his name being dragged through the mud and his statues being toppled um but at the same but you know what if you're a criminal you're in good shape here in california so this is the reason why i think we're feeling we need to leave um because this is a horrible it's a horrible horrible situation philom tell us about the dating scene
1: okay uh, listen ladies all you all you single ladies out there in Los Angeles, i'm gonna you know i'm gonna help you with a swipe or two I think that's the phraseology they use nowadays. Andrew D. Lewis. Now I've been following. I've been following Mister Lewis on Twitter because if you want to know, if you want to know what everything that's wrong in the world, just follow his Twitter because he he just parrots the most inane. Look, look at him! Look at him! Look at the shape of him. He, he, he looks like he's just made his communion. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, he his his bio on Twitter is Angelino, and then at UCLA. He went to UCLA. Woo-hoo. Usually <laughs> alum, council member, Northwest Northwestwood Neighborhood Council. Like, Jesus, Andrew. You know you're you know you need you know that's it. Um, and then president of UCLA Mix, which I assume is the, an alumni social group, and then on the board of LA Young Democrats and Shin. San Francisco young Democrats, like, well, why are you on both of them, by the way? Anyway, oh no, the San Fernando Valley young Democrats. Okay. Okay. He's on the tell board. Tell us about
0: Andrew Lewis then. What's he saying, Salem?
1: He wrote on Twitter, and I'm sure I all, if you look at him, I'm sure your heart's going to be broken now when I tell you that he said, realizing that I can't date anyone that doesn't prioritize public transport. It's not a, <laughs> it's not a lifestyle choice. It's a morality issue, too. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I uh, have to say
0: now, Phelan, we're married 20 years. I have to say the date and scene has changed a bit since our day. We weren't yes. prior. I don't think there was much prioritizing of public transport when we were knocking around now. No, I have to say no, it wasn't no. on my mind, I have to say now, not that I would get into what was on my mind now, because this is a clean program. But I mean, to be honest with you now, prioritizing public transport if ever there was a phrase of get a life you know what I mean like what is but, uh, well he doesn't believe but, that does he really whatever happens
1: whatever happened to snowy in the back of a car correct back which of, I have a, lot, have a lot
0: of respect for that behavior back of, on the back of a Peugeot um oh very specific film I had a Peugeot by the way back in the day great Peugeot yes. and by the way my Peugeot just as a little little note here, autobiographical note. My Peugeot was a Peugeot independence. And I used Not to say at the previous. time I used to say at the time and my parents thought it was very funny. I sold my independence for some reason. Oh, yeah, I sold that car because we moved to Romania when we got That's married. Right. So, yes, but I sold, you know, I, I Anne's lost her independence was That's sort right. of sad at the time. But I do remember that car. God, that was a great car. Moving on. I
1: remember I remember another Peugeot.
0: <clears throat> oh. Did you date somebody who had a Peugeot? Another person? No, you had a Peugeot, Peugeot
1: before that—the one with the wet back seat.
0: Oh, I don't not know that. if that was. I'm not sure that was a Peugeot. So I'm just to explain about the wet back seat. I think it's very important. By the way, I don't think it was a Peugeot film. I think it was something much worse than that. But I yes. bought a car secondhand and there was something wrong, obviously significant, wrong with it. But basically, when I would have passengers in the back. I used to have to put down plastic because there was somehow there was some wet coming from somewhere. It was water, though. It yeah. wasn't oil or anything. But yeah, yes, does everyone remember their first cars? But I was I was so proud of that car. Um,
1: Talking you know of which we have to tell people about your car. Adventure.
0: Oh, my God. You're, Should I
1: tell that, Should I tell that story spirit. now? Should I tell well, that? we'll tell it after I talk with Mr. Lewis. All right. Go ahead. I just wanted to tell people the ladies of Los Angeles, you know, Realizing I can't date anyone that doesn't prioritize public transport, it's not a lifestyle choice; it's a morality issue too. He's got a real treatment store for you, he really does this guy. You know, you know, he'll walk you to the bus stop every time. That's the kind of guy he is. But wait, actually, he can't walk you to the bus stop because that's a patriarchal thing to do. You know, mm, yeah. you should walk. The women should walk themselves to the bus stop because, you know, fighting off rapists in Los Angeles—that's an empowering thing to do. That's like, okay, ladies, and you know. And paying for that meal would be so demeaning. To you as a woman, you know, you know, in fact, to prove that he's feminist and and pro public transport and all that, you should pay women. Women should pay for every meal. That's that's what Mr Lewis has in store for you.
0: So he actually genuinely thinks that you would go out for a meal in Los Angeles of a night and take a bus home to wherever it is that you live on a Saturday night in Los Angeles. Wow. Okay, Philem, I want you to move on here now. I think you wanted to tell us about a TV series. So no, gonna... no,
1: I want to talk about your ultimate LA experience.
0: Oh, you want to talk about that now? Anne
1: McElhinney. And I have a bone to pick with Anne McElhinney, by oh. the
0: way. Can I tell my story and then see what the bone yes. is? The so ultimate LA
1: experience.
0: The ultimate LA experience as everybody knows the cat was, you know, the cat has been ill, but now we've got good news about the cat, by the way, which we'll bring to you as well. I re- remember we need to mention that film. So Top Cat is not losing his leg. That's the main thing to know. And I'm going to drive, I'm driving on on last Friday to pick up the cat, and I'm on the 405 on a Friday, which is not something anyone wants to ever be. And I was only when I was on the 405 on the Friday, then I thought I shouldn't be on the 405 on a Friday. It's such a madhouse. So I'm driving along and ricocheted into my lane was a, a metal big me, big piece of metal like basically i think a bumper and i made the split split second decision um, well you couldn't, I, couldn't avoid it you know couldn't i couldn't avoid it. it no matter what i did i couldn't have avoided it. and if i tried to quickly avoid it i'd have had a collision with very ha- fast moving traffic on both lanes beside me so i ran over it and i thought oh god i hope i haven't destroyed the two ti- the new tires because we just bought four new tires I drove on a little bit not very far and and suddenly the whole car stopped the whole thing stopped i put my foot on the accelerator no power and all the lights went on and and, and and i the car stopped the car stopped and it didn't stop on the shoulder it stopped in the middle of the 405 if anyone doesn't know the 405 i think it has about seven lanes each side and i'm in the middle yes. of one of those and um and by the way i became you know, I, you know, the, there's a reason possibly for cliches and the cliche, the reason for cliche is because it tells a truth. And so I became a girl, I became immediately a girl and I couldn't find the emergency lights in the car. So I pho- cause I did what you should do. I phoned Belgrade to talk to my husband and ask him, where's the emergency lights in the car? And he told me, he directed it me was, to them.
1: What, you phoned what I- me at two, it was like
0: one or two o'clock, one to two o'clock in the morning. Oh, I never even thought about what time it was when I phoned you. Oh, God. Right. OK, sorry about that. So I phoned That's him. Right. I put on the emergency lights and then I said, what do I do now? What do I do now? I was speaking very quickly, which I'm capable of doing. And then he said, you got to phone 9 one and I phoned nine one one. I thought I was in one of those TV shows, but I, you know, but that was tempered by the fact that I was terrified that I was at any moment I was going to die because somebody was going to rear end me at 80 miles an hour, which could have easily happened on the four or five. On the and four, the four, five just let people know.
1: That, just to let people know the thing you don't do is you don't get out of the car. You never no, get you out never the car. get out of the car.
0: You so phone nine one one. Yeah, nine one one.
1: the car is the safest place to be. I phoned the nine I
0: find I phoned nine one one and they would, that's the first thing they said. Do not get out of the car and put your seatbelt on? And so I did all that. And I was thinking, you know, of course I had the seatbelt on anyway, but um and then I sat there uh, for 20 minutes until anyone came to find me and and the and, other problem was I had to hang up the phone with film because the phone was dying. And of course, I couldn't use the battery in the car because the, cat, the battery in the car was dead and the whole dead car was dead. And I was thinking, imagine his phone dies. So I can't. And then I'm like, is this is this guy? Anyway, then eventually. And again, was and, like, and,
1: and the cat was supposed to be collected from the vet after surgery.
0: And the cat was but, meant and I had mentioned to film while I was on the middle of the 405 with the traffic going around. He said, please phone the vet and tell him that, I'm, that I could be I could be a little bit late coming to pick could up the be cat. some time. Could you explain to the cat? However
1: I did text you and you did you you ignored me in fact you you said no to what I said please video this for the podcast
0: oh you did no, but you know why I didn't film was because I didn't want the car I didn't want my phone to I didn't want to lose my the bit of battery I'd left. I thought and I know'm so sorry for the people out there in podcast land that I wasn't bringing you um nonstop vo- footage of this which I probably would have done by the way if I had had more life in the, in, the, in the phone anyway, long story short, eventually the um, the highway patrol comes and, you know, surprisingly to me, very surprisingly, there's one person in the car, this frighteningly competent Hispanic woman who is just like definitely straight out of central casting. And she first of all, she gets out. And of course, there's the lanes to my right. And she goes with one hand, you know, you stop. And I was like, she no, really? she was really tough. Yeah. She made them stop. Yes. Right. Then she comes up to me and she's like, you know, super, super competent. And she's like, here's what we're going to do now. Well, first of all did you run out of petrol I'm like I'm a girl but I'm not that much of a girl and by the way if anyone is in our car is ever going to run out of petrol it's my husband who loves to yeah. run the car right down until there's nothing in it that's not me um so anyway no I had not run out right. of petrol and all yeah. of this kind of thing so and as you Americans say gas so then she says basically I'm gonna to have to bump you off the road right because she bumped can't... you off the road film how do you think she how do you think what do you think happened she bumped me I off the road I... you missed that bit I thought a tow truck Yeah. Oh, no, 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 Giovanni. That's She another bumped part of the off the story. Road? She bumped me off the She said, right, I'm going to get back into my, into my, uh, whatever it's called, my trooper vehicle. Did she damage vi- the car? My trooper vehicle. I have never, I, listen, I haven't even looked at the car. So basically she gets in her, in a car and she has the loudspeaker then. I mean, it's like literally that show that we watch on TV film. I'm literally a character in 911. 911, what's your emergency? And that's what they say, by the way. So basically she starts bumping me, bumping me. And I'd say she has damaged the car because at one stage it's like, boom. You know very strong bump so she bumps me over to the hard shoulder at which point giovanni arrives now giovanni i have nothing but good things to say about and giovanni i mean god bless people trying to make a living giovanni basically cruises the 405 on a friday looking for Anne McElhenney, right and eventually he's going to find me and he's there and he says do you want me to give you a toe and the answer to that is yes i'm you know now i'm in the hard shoulder but it's still not good and it's still scary so i got in with they call it the hard shoulder in america they don't call it the hard shoulder. They just say the shoulder.
1: Or the emergency, Or the-
0: Magda. Magda knows more about these Americans. She said they call it shoulder, not a hard shoulder. We call it a okay. hard shoulder, but then we're from a country that you know we just love hardness in general yeah. and toughness. Yeah. So basically, but the Hispanic woman, I have to say, I wish I'd taken her name. I mean, I did all the things I meant to do, and I said, you know, I want to thank you for your service, and you're amazing, and you're so competent, and you're so calm, and all that. I did all that, but I wish I'd taken her name. I wish I'd taken her name. She was really good, but then she kind of disappeared, and off I went with Giovanni. And anyway, we don't know what the we don't know what's going to happen with the car. And anyone who's got advice, we'd like to hear it. But anyway, it's getting assessed. Well,
1: I, I have a question. I have a question for. Our- our listeners. So the Geico have now written to us and said you're liable because you should have avoided Uh, I think the cars are right off. We told the cars are right off because if if the oil evacuated out so quickly, the engine has probably been overheated and destroyed. Does that if, if if Geico decide Alan is liable, does that mean they're not going to pay us, even though we've got comprehensive insurance? We're not. We're not. No, okay I think
0: that. what it's going to mean. I've, I've talked to some men because men seem to know these things. I've spoken to a number of males and the answer I've gotten is that yes they'll pay but then we will have our um whatever to call it our our insurance will be will skyrocket and by the way just on the on the cat front the, the leg has been saved so all not bad news he spent the night that night of the of my accident he spent the night with the vet which i think actually probably worked out okay and he is back and he has the um appendage thing that they had on the support thing system has been taken out and he's rocking on and rocking on so much they escaped the other night and I'm still traumatized from it, a post-traumatic stress disorder. But look at him and look how happy he looks. And I've got he just, he's a very, very nice cat. And I can't believe I've become the person who says that about a cat, but that's what happens to you when you become a cat person or an animal wow. person of any kind. And anyone who has a pet will understand the language I'm speaking. Other people have no idea what it is. And it's almost like a joke with me at this stage. I've actually discovered a thing about myself. If you don't have a pet, you can be very arrogant and, um, judgmental of people who have pets and you can think they're lunatics until you have a cat or a dog or a pet yourself and you start talking to them like they're a child so um it can happen to you too and don't be judgmental about people with pets because pets are actually really nice and they are very affectionate and lovely and we don't want them to die Phelim, i want you to tell us about the tv series that they've now come up with that doesn't have any men in it
1: yes well actually you know it's a in a sort of following on from that uh, you know, uh, Andrew, Mr. Lewis, who doesn't want to date women who don't like public transport. You know, he's kind of a girly man himself. But so there was this show, uh, Why the Last Man, which was from FX, and uh, it depicted a world without men, a world run by women. And guess what? The audience hated it. <laughs> as, right. as Variety said, the series was stars Ben Schnechter as Yorick Brown, the only cis man in the world not to not fall victim to a mass sudden death. So he's the only man there. So it's basically all females. He's the only man. And, you know, the the showrunner, I've never been more committed to the story. So much more story to tell. We don't want it to end. And uh, the the audience says, we want it to end.
0: Yeah, make Uh, it end. Make it stop. Please make it stop.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, please make it stop. And the the channel listening said, you know, the ratings are so low. We just can't justify it. So bye.
0: Bye. That's very good. OK. And in our in our continuing series, I think this is going to become a I mean, obviously, because of the world we're living in, this is going to be a definite um, continuing series of, um, you know, our masterclass in how not to be a journalist, our absolute masterclass. Katie Couric has written um, an autobiography. And in it, there's so many surprising things about this, by the way, that um, she admitted to this in her book that she had, you know, she had done this interview with uh-huh. Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, had a lot of very negative things to say about Colin Kaepernick and taking and people lead, who followed him and people yeah. who followed him. She had a lot of negative things, in which some of which made it onto this into into her when she edited the piece. However, in the middle of the interview, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who I often always say it's really slowly because I end up not saying it properly said some very, very strong yeah. things about, about, uh, Kaepernick. She she said, protests, decided not to go on. Tell me, yeah, read but it out said, there. Protests,
1: she said such protests showed contempt for a government that's made it possible for their parents and grandparents to live a decent life. Uh, uh, and they, they probably come from places where they could not have had this life. And as they become older, they'll realize this was youthful folly, you know? So, so can I just say what that is,
0: Phil? Can I just say that basically she is saying exactly what Trump said, with less with more elegant language. Yes. So Trump said that and he would have called those places shithole countries. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and, but all Couric said was that she called it dumb and disrespectful, but she didn't go into this analysis of it. Yes. And Couric, Kirk, Couric's defense and she phoned David Brooks, of the New York Times, and she felt that maybe Kirk, Ginsburg was elderly and probably didn't fully understand the question. So she she did this bad, this unethical journalism because she thought that the one was seen at. But surely as a journalist, then you, if you think this lady is seen at, she's she's on the Supreme Court <laughs> making
0: judgments. <laughs> yes, Like I, yes. Think,
1: I think the public have a right to know.
0: Yes, so yeah, as you say, it's either one thing or the other, but it has to be one of them. Either yes. you're going to um, quote this woman saying the most extraordinary thing that she did say, which would, by the way, have had a very good effect because it would have killed dead the whole taking the knee movement, by the way. Yeah, this or is my you cost. say, or you say, by the way, we have a Supreme Court justice who's who's doting and uh, is not fit um for, for for service. Um she didn't do she didn't do that. She didn't she didn't do either of those. Um, But it's not the first time, by the way, it's not the first time Katie Couric has done this unethical editing. And we'll some of you will remember this. And I'm going to I'm going to play this for everyone. But you'll remember, people, that she made a documentary about the gun issue. And she interviewed a bunch of Virginia gun rights um, uh, people, people from a Virginia gun rights organization. Um, And she asked them uh, a question. Um, Let's have a look at the video first. Let's watch it now.
1: Let me ask you another question. If there are no background checks for gun purchasers, how do you prevent felons or terrorists from purchasing a gun?
0: So you see what she did there? So she asks this question, and then there is this, um, I believe it was eight seconds of silence. Eight seconds of silence. Now, I have and to they never say, answered.
1: they never answered. They never answered, like
0: right? Um, what I have to say that I think is really brilliant and, I, and a, a brilliant lesson for all of us these very smart people that you've just seen unable to answer that question decided that they would tape the whole of the interview. So they had an audio recording of the interview. And the actual truth was that when she asked them this incredibly obvious question, they immediately spoke fluently, there was no gap at all. Um, and they were able to call her out on that. What I'm amazed at, Phelan, is I'm amazed at so much here. How do you continue to have a job in journalism when you've done something as dishonest, despicable, unethical, just horrible, just a dreadful, dreadful thing? She made these guys look stupid, and these well, are not stupid people. These are smart because they're
1: rednecks, and they're rednecks, and you're allowed. To, you're, you get a free pass. In fact, it's encouraged. So it's, it's not seen as a, as a journalistic transgression. Seen as part of the struggle it's they're the resistance Anne, and yeah. some people sometimes innocent people get hurt in the resistance but it's yeah. for the greater good they died for the greater glory
0: but it's interesting the other thing that I think is interesting about the story about the original story sorry about the story that we're talking about the more recent example of Katie Couric's unethical journalism is that she did go and ask for advice from David Brooks that's David Brooks the New York Times um, um, opinion writer um, alleged a- always alleged, alle- oh, alleged conservative he told her she was right to protect uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. you know, and I, I would have thought to me now I, he he should lose, you know, he should lose his job for that because it is just incredibly unethical, extremely unethical. But interestingly, she had asked also, I think, the head of ABC News who said you should publish the whole thing. But anyway, that it's just an extraordinary story. I want to move on to quickly telling people what you should and shouldn't watch. So this is two recent um, broadcasts. And I think it proves a point. And we've done this before a few times, Phelan, on the podcast where we've looked yes. at Rotten Tomatoes.
1: So rotten Tomatoes is a is a the public can go on and say i like this
0: movie i like the movie or this I like movie, or, yeah, this movie
1: yeah. uh, or they can say i don't like it and then there's a the thing where the critics uh they 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 aggregate the critics so let's say there's 50 uh, reviews of a movie they look at which is negative which is positive and if it's more than i think than 50 percent uh Positive, and negative. Then it's it's called a rotten tomato. And if it's more than fifty percent positive, it's a fresh tomato. And it's very important to get a fresh tomato. And it's very important to get a hundred percent positive. Very few, very few programs, very few movies get a hundred percent or ninety percent. Normally, it's. or 70-40 or whatever. But the uh, two examples,
0: so the two examples I want to bring people's attention to, the first one is the Fauci documentary, which has been done by Disney Plus. I haven't seen it. I'm going to be very honest with everybody. I haven't seen it, but I have read an enormous number of reviews of it. This is a screen grab from Rotten Tomatoes of the Fauci documentary. That's the that's the reviewers. So 91% loved it. Then the audience came, got involved in telling people what they thought of the Fauci documentary. Two Percent of the audience liked it, and that's based on more than 500 ratings. Yeah. More than 500 people wrote in to tell Rotten Tomatoes what they thought of the Fauci documentary. Two percent liked it, and basically, from all of my reading of people's reviews, they basically say. And I've seen. Why don't we, maybe let's show? We're going to show a little bit of the trailer of the Fauci documentary. Fire, Fauci, fire, Fauci, fire. God
1: help us. When I think about my dad growing up, I certainly think about that seriousness and wanting to do the right thing. At the same time, very few people get to see. (laughs) He's funny, weird, and really playful. I loved clinical medicine. The idea of discovery and having an impact on people, that's what really captured me. I grew up in a somewhat tough neighborhood in Brooklyn. The culture is that you didn't get intimidated by a lot of things. When someone attacks, I don't immediately fight back. It's nothing personal, it's strictly business. When COVID hit, he became this target.
0: My dad said, we're gonna get through this whole thing, and he's held back.
1: We're seeing upticks again, and nobody's hearing from you.
0: I don't understand the hate that people have. These people are really, really getting bad. I mean, you know, they're harassing my daughters constantly, which bothers me more than anything else.
1: We heard about what he went through in the HIV AIDS pandemic, like seeing signs, Fauci's a murderer. And I remember asking him, like, is this actually what it was like? His response was, you can't even compare the two. When you're involved in a race to stop a horrible disease, you always feel you're not doing things quickly enough. (laughs)
0: So, so basically the description by the audience who I really do trust here, the description of them, I would say is that they, um, they don't, um, they don't like it, obviously, but what the reason they don't like it is that they say that it's just pure propaganda, there is absolutely no balance, and that it is, you know, shameless, and the other example that I want to bring people's attention to, which has kind of obviously been an awful lot in the news is the Dave Chappelle um, show, you know, his special, his Netflix special called The Closer. Uh, just have a look at how um, Rotten Tomatoes have assessed that. So I think this is incredibly interesting on a number of levels. Look, first of all, at the number of people who reviewed it. So the professional reviewers, only six of them reviewed it. And of them, basically, it, it was given a Rotten Tomato. It got 33% approval rating. However, look at the audience. Over a thousand audience members (laughs) decided to check in with that and said that they liked it. Now, I want to tell people that I've watched the Dave Chappelle closer. The reason I didn't watch the Disney Plus Fauci is because I don't have Disney Plus and I was unwilling to spend money on getting to watch it. I thought I I think I knew enough just from the trailer. I would want to say something to our audience. Please do not watch the Dave Chappelle uh, Netflix special um, if you are at all even slightly offended by bad language, by explicit sexual content, et cetera, etc. Cetera. and please don't complain to me. Um, but any of you who have the stomach for it, I'd highly recommend it actually. And what is extraordinary that has now come out is that Basically, um, trans people in working for Netflix are staging a walkout because they're so upset about the um, the Netflix special. I would, call not... it,
1: I would call it more of a mint side.
0: Oh, fail and behave. So basically, no. the thing that I want to talk about that I think is really interesting as well is. So Ted Sarandos is defending Dave Chappelle and really defending him and defending him and defending. Him. And in fact, if anything, he's actually. You know, digging deep on this one and saying, uh, uh, I'm hang know, on to this.
1: Uh, uh, yes. I mean, look, he is defending him, but I, I would say he's got no choice but to defend him. I wonder, will he commission another one? That's the big question. You know, sometimes these people, they don't realize what they've got. It creates a fuss. And then he's in the impossible position of having to defend this show. Uh, and there's I think, no way. I, I think there's, there's no way, as someone who nurtures talent, uh, there's no way he he could condemn him because uh, also if he did condemn him he'd have to resign himself because obviously he okayed it Let's the proof will be in that maybe he maybe he well i know it was a very full sort of defense of him but if he will he commission another uh dave Chappelle special
0: i think i think we all i i, I think i i think there's no prizes for winning the question on that one there will not be another dave Chappelle special on netflix i could I can guarantee you that won't happen. And by the way, another thing that's another development in the story that I think is fascinating is that Netflix have just fired one of their executives who leaked the confidential deal memo with Dave Chappelle. And I have to say, I was telling a friend about this on Saturday night. And as I told him, I thought, I actually thought oh god i'm actually wrong this you know i was telling him the story and then i thought i've got this wrong so we both all went everyone at the table went on their on their on their phone to look it up because i just did i doubted myself and here's what the story is and this is bloomberg the p the comedians popular so this is dave chapelle's popularity comes at a cost netflix spent 24.1 million on the dave Chappelle show the closer which is a lot of money, 24.1 million. If you think, by the way, folks, this is a guy standing on stage for an hour and he basically tells one story. He de- Obviously, he does it very, very well and he, you know, again, please do not complain to me about the bad language or the sexual content. Just don't. Please don't because I'm warning you about it. So don't watch it if you're that kind of person, right? But it, what's interesting and, and many of you will have heard that there is this show on Netflix and it's a series from South Korea called Squid Games which is huge and it's going to earn...
1: It's Netflix's most popular program and I would point they're out... They're going to earn a billion dollars from it. 24 million for the closure but then net Chappelle did it 20, 2019 special, and he got 23.6 million for that. So he's getting this, and I think he's done six of them in total. Yes, yes. No, he has he has
0: has silly money at this point. But I just wanted to make the contrast for anyone who doesn't. You know, I don't think anyone needs to have this money explained to them. This is an extraordinary amount of money for a stand-up routine that went on for an hour. I mean, it is an incredible amount of money, no matter how much time he spent preparing for it. But the nine-episode Squid Game, so this is a nine-episode dramatic um, uh, TV show on Netflix, Squid Games from South Korea, they spent $21.4 million on it. Yeah. To give you a contrast, well, one I hour. Mean, uh,
1: as we always said, if people knew how Hollywood celebrities lived and how George Clooney lived and how Nancy Pelosi lived there would be a revolution yes I mean look and they're very good uh, by the way
0: they're incredibly good by the way of hiding this and I think Dave Chappelle will be very unhappy with this and of course what this is going to affect that this will have on Netflix is I don't know what that thing's called but it's called talent what is it talent inflation or something but certainly all the talent that have been doing deals with Netflix Netflix are going to have to deal with every last every last talent that they're dealing with now is going to quote this number to them and say, Yes. excuse you, me now, <laughs> you know, yes. am I really, am I really 10%, you know, am I 90% worse than this guy? You know, um, yeah. and it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be very, very tough. So, um, but amazing. I, mean, I I thought quite it, I'm kind of glad we got the information, even though the guy shouldn't have done it. And it's, inc- he's lost his job and he should lose his job because yes, if you, if you do sign on to a job and you say you're going to be confidential and you're not confidential, you're a bad person, you know? Yes. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you can break confidentiality if there's something criminal or something, you know, where child's being hurt or anything like that obviously that's different but this is a, this is business this is just a business thing i wanted a, there's one story that we didn't kind of mention in our introduction film that i just wanted to i want to drop this in before we go because i just this is inc- and we're not we're not finished at all yet by the way but i really really wanted to bring people's attention to this and it was in the wall street journal this week unbelievable and the headline was in the in docency on display at the art institute of chicago and basically the art institute of chicago has just sacked all of their docents. Phelan, tell us about docents.
1: So a docent, we had, we had dinner with a docent the other night, uh, she, she docent in the Getty Museum, and there, she was a middle-class, middle-aged woman, white woman, who loves bringing art to people. Loves to, These are the guides, these are the tour guides, these are the people who tell you what you're looking at, what, why it was important, why was it was groundbreaking, why it's in the museum. What to appreciate, what not, and then let me you make up your own mind and take you on a journey through this one, these wonderful exhibitions. But of course, they're all white. You know, they're you know they're they're overwhelmingly white. And rather than you know bring in more diversity or whatever they wanted to, do, they fired them all in Chicago. Fired them all. So now you've got people coming in from poor areas, from people who don't know anything about art, and they're going to walk into that museum and then just going to leave knowing not much more because there's no one there to guide them because that's because diversity equity and inclusion is about excluding the least educated people it's about excluding the poorest people because the rich people who walk in there and look at that art they've got all the education they'll know what they're looking for they'll know what what they what they're looking at but it's gonna hurt the poorest people the most
0: it's unbelievable it's absolutely unbelievable it's a horrible thing by the way and these are people in the main and particularly in this group the majority of these people are volunteers yes they're wealthy but they're giving their time freely and by the way they have to do constant training um, yes, sir. i think constant training and twice a week uh 18 you know a huge huge amount of training anyway and they're very knowledgeable and as you say you think of some you know the, the typical you know a very educated person is going to walk into that museum they're going to know exactly what they're looking at and they know how to look it up and they know how to find out the information or access information themselves anyway but you think about the type of um diversified population that they're trying to attract into that museum they need exactly this woman you know nice middle-aged woman to meet them and say let me show you the most extraordinary thing we have here you know and explain it in nice terms to people like these are nice white people who are doing something really nice and a really good thing a really valuable thing and instead of even like they've just sacked the load of them the whole lot of them have been sacked Kind of overnight. Horrible. That's devastating. That's it's devastating. devastating. And you know, before we finish film, I actually want to do something nice now because I just think that's all very sad. I want to show you some photographs of Serbian food. Oh yeah, please do.
1: Look at the look at the meat dishes there. That's a, a little I mean I've eaten so shared,
0: much. This is a shared plate film obviously. This is a yes, shared this plate. This is a shared
1: plate, right? but i tell you I've eaten so much. So Robert and I were supposed to go for dinner the other night with people. You know we're, we're out networking every night and, and out with the production team and all that. And Robert just looked at me and said, I don't want to eat anymore. Yeah. Right. So we invited them to our hotel. We went upstairs to the restaurant. I had a dessert. He smoked a cigar and everyone else ate. And you know what? It was wonderful not to eat. But look, at because we're just I'm looking at that, so by the way. Bread. Can
0: I just tell you, when I look at that film? And I think this is something that the audience, our, our, our podcast audience might find interesting about you. Because when I look at that and realize it's a shared plate, uh, my husband really hates shared plates. And uh, the reason for that is he's from a family of 11. And you can imagine the word sharing if you were in a family of 11 children, um, it takes on a complete new meaning. It has another another meaning. So when I remember when Phelim and I lived in Romania many, many years ago, and there was these particular restaurants where there was these shared plates, Phelim violently uh, opposed shared plates. And he would in fact use glasses and bottles to create a wall around his own food so that people couldn't share his food Uh, but uh, no it was my own food
1: I would order my own food for me yes you would film yeah the other thing the other I know what
0: your other objection your other objection was the fact that you actually ordered better than everyone else and you knew it when you were ordering and you were saying yeah but when they regret it they don't get to eat my food
1: that's
0: right yeah good to know so yeah, no, I saw that and I thought I mean I was always even when I
1: even when I was a liberal I was against collectivism
0: there you go. So I'm going to do, um, and uh, you know, I'm. This is a little experiment, but it's been kind of on my mind. Not that I'm like, not that alcohol is always on my mind, but I thought it would be nice to do a little um, toddy, a little hot drink for autumn because we're coming into the autumn even here in LA the weather's sort of definitely changed and I thought what we'd do is um, and check out what I'm doing here I'm going to heat up some cider this is a hard cider six percent alcohol Um, and I'm going to put into that into the microwave what I'm going to put in there with that is you can see a cinnamon stick put in a bit of lemon maybe throw in a star anise and maybe a clove although I'm not a big fan of cloves I'm going to give that about 45 seconds get that nice and warm and then I'm going to top it up with a little thimbleful, as you can see there, a little shot of bourbon. Gonna swirl that all around, swirl that all around, let, the, let all of those things infuse, and then we're gonna taste it, and you tell me what you think of my face trying this cocktail. Mm. By the way, another thing I might throw in there would be um, some maple syrup as a sweetener or some honey as a sweetener. But I'm kind of always inclined to go towards the uh, less sweet because I'm a bitter type of person. And by the way, the bourbon itself has loads of those caramelly flavors. So they're going to be really nice in there. And I'd highly recommend that. So we've come to the end of the show. I want to remind everyone, by the way, please, to the appeal that we made at the beginning of the show, we cannot do this work without your help. We cannot continue Without your help, and I think yeah. we do yeah. a lot of really good work that no one else is doing. We are quite yeah. unique in, you know, on the conservative side of things. We are quite unique in the fact that we're using entertainment to tell the truth. About yes, we make
1: we make movies. We tell play. We do make plays. Uh, we podcasts. do YouTube videos. We do podcasts. Um, I, I just want to show you. I want to show you some more pictures. Here's Robert Davi. You know, going around a derelict bar in Belgrade trying to make it he's going to make it into a alice in wonderland uh strip bar for hunter biden and in the script and i haven't told you this no there's a let's just say there's a there's a role for a man in the script and he met uh, an actress actually he was in in the hotel in another production and he looked at her. he goes that's our Lorenzo." i'm going but lorenzo's a man he goes but imagine if there's a woman i go oh oh <laughs> oh Excellent. oh and you know he's always thinking and he's always working he's and he, very creative and, yeah and he wants to make this the best really. movie and he wants the truth to get out you know and we're gonna it's gonna be a blockbuster but we need your help for it so we really, do. please we go, really to, do. go to mysonhunter.com. And the
0: next time you see us, we will be together, which will be very nice. Phil I will be reunited with my husband. And we are hoping, and you know, we, we we very much hope to be doing this broadcast from the set of My Son Hunter. So, um, you'll see some nice, interesting stuff in the background. And that's our plan for next week. Um, next week's going to be a busy, busy, busy week for us because the first day of filming is on Monday and um, it's all going to be happening. But we will talk to you, um, and look forward to that. And thank you for all the lovely messages messages uh, Please, please review the podcast and leave a message. Um, we read everything, and we love them, um, and we love you guys very, very much.
1: And don't forget, and don't forget the Barry's tea.
0: I'm gonna. I know. I heard we've had an emergency. Um, I got an emergency email in the middle of the night. And the reason I was awake in the middle of the night was because I had cat issues. And the cats, were, one of the, the top cat escaped. Terrible. But anyway, in the middle of the night, then I get this email from Phil saying, "Emergency." Don't you know get bring a second suitcase and buy tea bags because everyone is dying for a cup of tea and they can't get a tea bag there all the, so brits, I have made all the
1: brits and the Irish. all
0: the brits and the irish so basically i have made a big order today of tea and i'm going to have a ridiculous amount of tea because actually there's nothing to, like a nice cup of tea to, to, to,
1: talking of irish i uh I'm, i was here and i'm let's say just outside the hotel i met another irish actress uh, and you know and uh you know, she's here, and she has no other Irish. She met, and I heard her accent and I went, "Oh, you're Irish." She goes, "Oh, you're Irish." "Oh, thanks for coming over." "Oh, it's so nice." And basically, we we're best friends, and you know, and uh, we were, I was going to go to her hotel, and we we're going to go out for dinner, and basically, we we're going to spend Christmas together, and you, she was gonna meet you, <laughs> and uh, I you know we were, were all going to be friends. Her, we were going to be godparents to her children. I could see this whole because oh, I was a producer, she's an actress, and, all, oh. and then she went home and google Googled me, I think, and uh, I saw her this morning hi, hi, she sort of found something else to be doing (laughs) at the time, Uh, and uh, she doesn't want to uh, hang out
0: with me. There you go, shocker. All right, Philem, enough of that. We will see, I will see you in a few days, Philem, can't wait for that, and we will see everyone together next week. Bye now.
1: Bye. Bye.